Hello and welcome back to The Food Podcast, a show where personal stories are shared through the lens of food. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. I dropped in to see my Aunt Sandra yesterday afternoon. She was on her back deck, toes up, sipping a cup of tea. A wall of wisteria vines line one side of the deck and flowering baskets hang from the twisted wood. I sat down opposite to join her. Sandra is a textile artist, a weaver. You may remember her from past episodes from this podcast. Her studio is in the front of the house. There's a loom, shelves of books, a long table wrapped in canvas, and a white pegboard stretching across a whole wall, covered in inspiration. I tell Sandra I'm working on a script for this episode with abstract painter Nicola Bennett. Nicola lives on the North Shore of New Zealand in the Bay of Plenty with her husband and kids. She's surrounded by lakes. She's often on the water or in the water, but her true love is food. Food and cooking is what feeds her art practice. Sandra perks up. We are always talking about what feeds our practice, her weaving, my writing, and what steps we take to pull that inspiration into the work. Steps are literal here, as I mentioned in the last episode with Julie Van Rosendahl. Getting into the work can be hard, like jumping from stepping stones across a river with the water raging around your ankles. I'm always looking for the recipe. Nicola's recipe begins with choosing an ingredient to paint, something that is available locally and seasonal, something that inspires her. Fijoa, kiwi, oyster mushrooms, black garlic. Then she primes a canvas with layers of gesso so it has a silky surface. I picture the glossiness of egg whites beaten with sugar with an iridescent sheen and that pillowy texture. Then Nicola leaves the canvas and heads into the kitchen to spend time with the ingredient. Yeah, I like to get really excited about a, a specific ingredient. And then I find recipes that, that work with that ingredient to try it out. When we spoke, oranges were in her kitchen. Nicola was making little madeleines with them. And she cut them into segments and made salads as well. I just explore that orange. And what I'm trying to get is a relationship and connection with that ingredient. So I, I want to feel really excited about it and I want it to surprise me. I want it to be unfamiliar because we get so familiar with ingredients. We go, oh, it's just this or just that. And, and then we don't have this amazing connection. But I, my goal is to make that ingredient kind of come alive, I suppose. And I want to have a new and fresh relationship with it. And so to do that, I find other ingredients that will make it sing. So I want it to be the hero of that recipe. And then I get so, I, I, I get such a, a lovely, lovely time doing it, just me and this ingredient. Then Nicola takes her ingredient in its cooked form and brings it to the canvas. And I want to take all that inspiration and sensory pleasure into the studio. So, um, that's really important because if I just go straight in, having not had that relationship with the ingredient, I don't feel that real 
connection to the ingredient and I, and I don't feel that lovely um, fulfillment that, that I get from, from the ingredients. I've watched videos of Nicola color matching her paints, dabbing a brush thick with green paint directly onto the kiwi to make sure the green is just right. It's so lush and tactile. She says she's finding the personality of the color. And then I just make a first mark. I've heard these words before. This is how Sandra begins as well. There's a YouTube video of Sandra in her studio, filmed in 2014 for the Canada Council of the Arts. She is sitting at her loom, working on a weaving using the supplementary weft technique, where she is weaving black thread through the ground weave, creating a design as she goes. It opens with a silent question. Perhaps how does the design come about? Sandra is clear. You have to begin. You have to begin. You have to make one row. One row of weaving, that's all you have to do. And then you look at that row, and then you take the very first thought you have in your mind, oh, I'm going to make the next row this way. Then the next row this way. And it just starts to grow. And then there's Nicola on the other side of the world, making a mark on the canvas. And I like to compare it to writing maybe a story and that you, you put down the first word and then you respond to that word and then it just goes and goes. And so I, I don't know what that painting is going to look like. I just start with a colour palette and then I make the first mark and respond to it and then just let it evolve. And I don't try to get not so thinky-thinky. I like to just be really intuitive with it and just let it do its thing until it tastes um, just right. Until it tastes just right. I love that word as a means of understanding when to leave something alone. Synesthesia is a neurological condition where the brain mixes up responses to the senses. When Nicola was doing her master's after moving to New Zealand from England, her thesis explored the sensory qualities of handmade objects, which took her down the various paths of synesthesia how some people feel color, or with lexical gustatory synesthesia, where spoken or written language causes a person to experience a taste or smell. Sometimes it can be an obvious connection, like the word orange tasting like an orange, or for some the connection could be rhyming words, like the name Tony tasting like macaroni. It's, qu it's quite rare, but that just fascinates me that you could say a word and have a taste, you know, I, and I, lo I just love the idea. I, I think that kind of stuff is super interesting. And I love the idea that someone might look at art, not just with their eyes, that they might have a sensory experience to it, you know. And, and certainly when I see a painting that I love, when I get really close to it, I can almost feel my mouth watering because I'm having a an actual sensory response to the colour, you know, and so I, I it's a quite a big part of my life, colour and flavour, they're the things that, you know, really light me up and, um, yeah, that's, and it's my kind of investigation, my lifelong investigation, I feel like, colour and flavour. I like to think about how an ingredient feels as a word and an object. Last year, Nicola received a box of South Island apricots in the mail. She says they were amazing. And not like the apricots you get in the supermarket here. They were from this beautiful orchard and they were ripened on the tree, of course, which a lot of the fruits we get in the supermarket isn't. 
And so it was just each apricot was like a little flavor bomb. And I made this beautiful amaretto and apricot cheesecake. And I just had the most amazing experience that morning cooking this cheesecake. And I just, I almost kind of fell in love with apricots again, you know, even though I've, I don't actually buy them that much from the supermarket because they're disappointing. But to have them like that, you know, a proper, fresh, flavorful apricot, it's like, oh, you are amazing when you get to, to ripen on the tree. And there I was as we spoke, picturing a yellowy orange apricot, a fruit that is usually only available dried where I live. I would lean over the sink to eat it like I do when peaches are ripe, with the juice dripping down my arms. And then the creamy tones of a cheesecake, a canvas for the orange, and perhaps some flecks of vanilla. I've seen tiny vanilla seeds in Nicola's work before, little specks of darkness splashed around the color. When I ask Nicola about vanilla, she says she likes to think of vanilla. Like um, the underwear of the baking world. And so, you know, you you don't want to go without it. (laughs) It doesn't feel quite right, you know, and you can bake without vanilla, of course, but it doesn't quite taste the same, you know. And so um, I think it's an essential part of baking and it just very quietly does its thing and making it sweet and rich and creamy and a depth of flavor that nothing else can. And so I get very kind of inspired by the personality of that ingredient. And then, and then I find recipes that I love with vanilla and hopefully ones that make it the kind of hero of that recipe, even though it's normally the underwear. I have a bottle of vanilla in my cupboard, a gift from my friend Michelle. There are five vanilla pods preserved inside a bottle of bourbon. The clear liquid is now pale brown after a year in the cupboard. It's a beautiful sight. It's also like a Damien Hurst art installation. Nature preserved in a bottle, a science experiment. I use a splash of this precious liquid whenever a recipe calls for underwear. If I were making custard or panna cotta or ice cream, I could pull out a bean and split it in two and scrape out the seeds with the tip of a sharp knife. But those tiny seeds are precious. It would have to be special. I asked Nicola how she captures these tiny seeds on her huge canvases. How does she layer specks in the midst of all that texture and color? Yes, like they're like little little freckles. Well, I, I've got this um, technique which a friend taught me actually, um, and it's you, you put on white gesso, then black gesso, and then white on top, and then you flick um, water onto the white gesso while it's still wet and it reveals the black gesso underneath like little speckled layers and I I love that and I like to think that actually you know a a cake has layers of flavor and a painting has layers of flavor for me but layers of color for the viewer and so I like to use different techniques you know like that to kind of draw out And, and I actually like to paint on black gesso this kind of the light coming from the darkness and then as, as the layers build up, it just gets richer and richer and richer. And so unlike the white canvas that reflects all that color and you, you have to build this intensity um, a little bit more maybe, with the black, you, you're, you're almost working the opposite way. And it, it just has this intensity about it just before you even start.
I talked about darkness and light with Julie in the last episode. It's part of writing poetry. It's part of life. It's part of painting. It's part of cooking. There's always a scale at work, tipping back and forth, searching for equilibrium. It's so much about balance. Well, you, when you think about cooking, you, you're after this mouthfeel, which, which of course has hopefully all those salty, sweet, creamy, um, unami maybe for savory dish, and you, you're kind of ticking them off, aren't you? And that that mouthfeel, or even the texture, you want something small and something long to balance that mouthfeel, and it's exactly the same with the painting. The color. I feel like colour has not just a personality but a weight to it. And so um, those darker colours have a weight and you don't want the painting to be too heavy. I like my work to be upbeat um, and, and hopefully reflect my personality that not too loud but uh, upbeat enough um, and, and rich and um, sweet, I suppose, even if it's a savoury dish. Um and so, yeah, the balance is really key and there's no recipe to it. It's a feeling. Earlier, Nicola compared starting a painting with a mark on a canvas to writing a story. And I like to compare it to writing maybe a story in that you, you put down the first word and then you respond to that word and then it just goes and goes. Sometimes it goes, then it goes too far and I have to cut it back take words away and tidy it up. Tighter and shorter is usually better. And it feels better in my mouth and it looks better on the page. I don't always know when a story is ready, but it's true. It is a feeling, a feeling I'm always working on, a feeling I'm trying to get to know and trust. Nicola didn't always trust this feeling inside of her. Um, well, there was a kind of a pivotal point, which is quite funny. I was part of a group show and you had to make up an alter ego for yourself and make the work as that person. So you, you had to really take it on. And I decided that I was going to be this European painter that was really confident and amazing. And so, so I made the work with that confidence and I loved what I made and everything sold. And then afterwards, I was kind of like, well, why can't you just paint like that? Like, why, why can't you keep pretending to be that person until you are that person? And so that's kind of how it happened. And there was a definite rocky road. I had a mentor for a little while, which was amazing. And she really shook me up and said, you know, do you think that people that are really success, successful are better than you or that they're just really good at marketing? You know, like, would you like me to describe how many terrible artists are out there that are doing really well? And I was like, oh, yeah. So she, she really switched things in my confidence. And then I actually realized that I only needed to please myself. That was the, the most important thing. My number one goal was to make work that I loved. And, and that's really key. And so as long as I keep thinking that, then I know that if I love it, then I will find that 40 people a year, or however many paintings I need to sell, that love it too. And it really is as simple as that. You know, so and, and with each um, success, you have a little bit more confidence and a little bit more confidence, um, you know, whilst always trying to stay humble to your truth of, you know, do I really love this? Am I really proud of this? Um, if you're if not, then just keep going till you are, because if you've made one lovely work, you know, you can make it again. You just need to keep keep going. And if it's not good, well, it's just not good enough yet. Uh, you know, and I think that that's the way with, with a lot of things we do. We give up too early when we think that things aren't working. 
we just we just haven't persevered maybe enough. Let's hear that part again. I actually realized that I only needed to please myself. That was the, the most important thing. I needed that. Later, over messaging, Nicola added another secret to cultivating confidence in your work. It's to show up no matter what. I've been listening to Sky Manson's new podcast, Daily Rituals. They are short episodes about women, just like us, who are all saying the same thing. Daily habits are the answer to happiness, growth, creativity, and confidence. They're the answer to many things. I've got my coffee with me. I dream of routines. I look up routines. Daily habits and having an alter ego. I asked Nicola if she named her alter ego. You'll laugh because it sounds like a porn star, but it was was, uh, Fifi Loren. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Instagram tells me that Nicola likes to ski, dive backwards off boats into the lake near her house, and hike and run around waterfalls. She thinks my life here on the east coast of Canada is wild and adventurous, but I don't think I could keep up with her. She and her dog run most days around her local six-meter waterfall. It's all part of her creative process. I take it for granted a bit because it's my same everyday run. But it it is very beautiful and um, there's lots of native birds. And I know that if I do that to start my day, then I'm going to feel good in the studio because I've got my body moving and I've got that serotonin from a bit of exercise. And then it's into the studio. I have a golden hour, I suppose, where I paint where the kids are at school. And so I, I like to kind of... I'm in there for probably five hours a day and I just really make the most of that time and I just stay in there. But I've got a few paintings on the go at once. So while one painting is kind of brewing, I'll I'll go to another. But I've always got my eye on that one that I I have on the go. And sometimes when I look at it out the corner of my eye, I can see that thing that it needs doing because I'm, I'm a bit detached from it. Looking out of the corner of the eye and tending to it until it tastes right. And when it reaches this point, when it's ready for the viewer, a new relationship begins. I like to think of, you know, the viewer having this kind of relationship with the painting. And, I, you know, a good painting is some, a painting that keeps you coming back for more, that even months later you'll go, oh, I didn't see that little bit there and I love it. Um, you know, it'll just keep giving. It doesn't give it all away in the first look. You know, that for me is a good painting. Fifi Loren would never give it away on the first look. Fifi has layers. Oh, I could keep going, but my instincts are telling me to stop here. It's tasting right. Nicola Bennett, thank you for feeding us with your work, your passion, and your wisdom around the creative process. You can find Nicola and her work on Instagram at Nicola Bennett Art or via her website 
at www.nicolabennett.co.nz. Also, thank you, Sandra Brownlee, for always listening as I work out what I'm trying to say, even long after your tea has gone cold. This series is edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme song is Jen Grant's One More Night. Please rate and review the food podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. Thank you.